1: All right, so you know it's back to normalcy in a way when the NFL Draft Party is back after a two-year hiatus due to COVID, right? Poly pandemic over here, Danny Sorek, Darren Urban. Uh, I'm going to be out there with my keister blowing in the wind on the mic, NFL Draft Party 2022, and I always like to use the line at these things where I say, you know what, sports is the original reality TV. Is it not? the NFL draft unfolds as if it's a reality TV show. (laughs) Just the mere mention of that. And you two got into some sort of squabble. I mean, how many reality TV shows are the two of you watching combined? I'm still over here flummoxed to a certain degree. I'm not sure I'm ready to broadcast. Let's let's get something clear. I
0: don't watch, uh, quite quite frankly, at this point, I don't watch any reality. I I will say this. My wife is watching this season of American Idol, so I guess that technically counts. But, But the other shows we were talking about, I don't watch any of them. And, and I'm, Darren, I'm a, you
1: just named like a half dozen. Up. But see,
0: this is what concerns me, Paul. I mean, are you living on this earth? I mean, <laughs> how do you not know these shows? Survivor
1: and Big Brother have been around for like 20 oh, years. And oh, you no. have never heard I, of them. Oh, no. I've heard of every one oh, of them. Oh, OK. I well, just, then I, that's, that's what we're doing here. I'm just not investing any time watching them. Well, I, no, but I thought you, them. the way you were just uh, disagreeing with Danny over here, I, you seem very invested.
2: Things took a turn quite fast. Uh, I'm sure she we'll talk about, about, about this kicking later me, on. <laughs> she was talking about kicking me off
0: a show. I'm not even on. <laughs> yeah, like.
2: that, that's how things, I don't know how they necessarily started, but they ended by me saying I would go on Survivor with Darren, so I would vote him off that's, at That is what tribal. she said,
1: yes. So, so
2: somehow it went from zero to 100 real quick.
1: And you both had coworkers. But I stand by that. Who were on Survivor once upon a time. Which yes.
0: Which I, okay. Uh, not a coworker here, but yes. A, a coworker so, when I was I at the East Valley Tribune, she ended up. Going on Survivor once and what, it was a former player that you knew?
2: Danny McRae used to play for the Cowboys. He uh, was my former co-worker when I was there. He's still working there. He was on it last season, so during COVID. So I had never really watched Survivor. It came out when I was, like, young, so I remember the basics of it, but hadn't watched. So I was like, oh, my friend's going on. I have to watch.
0: Came out when she was young. Came out to me when I had kids and like we had a life
1: and it's yeah, good. This checks I'm the a different eight.
2: demographic. This there checks is. The, every podcast we have to mention it. You're
1: right. The weekly box, the 18 to 34 demo box, That's has now true. been checked already here at Cardinals used to work Underground. For the Cowboys.
2: And so, oh gosh. <laughs> so right. anyway, we'll David did really well. He made the merge. We're
1: gonna work in Drew Locke and Mizzou a little bit oh, later. Oh boy. <laughs> Those are the three guys. things that are just automatic.
2: Co- I understand why Darren right. would come for me, but Paul, come yeah. on. No,
1: well. Somebody came for Darren oh, I in get the mailbag. The
0: merge means now. I get what you're saying now. Right. There you Somebody go. came
1: for Darren in the mailbag when it comes to Survivor or Big Brother or whatever. Yeah, he was
0: just asking if uh, if there was a Survivor type, or what the question was was if Michael Bidwell all of a sudden came to you and said that you and a bunch of people in the front office had to go on Survivor or Big Brother. Who would be the fir- who would win it and who would be the last person? Who would be the first person kicked out? I'm like ah. I-
2: as long as I could train and learn how to, like, start a fire, like use flint, <laughs> and, like, train. train my stomach to only eat rice once a day,
1: I'll, I'll lay, I'd, be, I'd be good on some I'll right lay day. the Vegas odds on that. Quentin Harris would be the man to beat. Oh, he, he goes yeah. out for, like, three weeks oh, on his own. Grayson? Fat, yep. I don't know. Fat if
2: Gray we've talked about. Yeah,
1: but with that, you know, metabolism like a hummingbird, <laughs> I'm not sure she could find enough in the in the wilderness to feed herself. I'm not exactly sure about that. And then number two, I think, uh, under the radar is Cliff Kingsbury. You know, a guy from Texas, He, you know, the whole well, upbringing. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying. This is, well, uh, the, I'm curious. Sure what does that mean from Texas? Because you know, I'm from Texas he, and I, I would not. No, he's an under the radar outdoorsman. Here's the, here's
0: the problem with Cliff, though. A guy that likes to spend a lot of his time, you know, Drawing up football plays—is he going to be open enough to want to like create alliances? Because that's a big deal.
2: <laughs> yeah, Sorry. social game is yeah. important, Darren. Yeah,
0: although he does have a social yeah. game. I mean, when you put it like that, well, then maybe. Uh...
1: <sighs> well, here's my merge uh, translation. Uh, so I, I take it "merge" as a synonym for "segue." Can I go with that? Can I say that? Uh,
0: y- you can in this context okay. because, quite Thank frankly, you. if not, we're yeah. never going to get this you, podcast right, because
1: we're dying for a segue right now. So, if years ago. For Lent, I gave up reality TV shows, in particular The Bachelor and Bachelorette. You were watching just, those once upon no, a time? I had no choice. It was all over. I, every okay. single TV in my house was was tuned to it. So I, I gave that up. This year for Lent, I gave up chocolate chip cookies and, uh, and scones. Uh, you know,
2: are you a big scone guy?
1: The morning coffee, you know, either a chocolate chip cookie or a scone with coffee. It's wait, wait, mandatory. wait, 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 wait. You just can't drink coffee. A chocolate chip cookie for breakfast?
2: I, Why are you judging? That sounds was, like an it, amazing I, life to live. You're right.
1: I, I should it, have mandated. I gave it up is. years ago. You're absolutely right. You're like, how am I winning the off season by you know over here packing on the muscle in the off season when I'm eating chocolate chip cookies for I breakfast? Mean. You're right. There's but, nothing
0: wrong with chocolate chip cookies, just not first thing in the morning.
1: You know what I'm giving up next year, and I should have given up this year? Mock drafts. I'm just going to give up mock drafts every year this time of year. Have you seen the latest one out as we go to the mock draft update desk, regrettably? NFL.com. And look, we like Lance Zerline a lot, but yeah, when he I gives us... I had
0: he, a highly disagree with this one. This is
1: 3.0 yeah. for him. No, no when, they, no. when they give us a 4... The trade is okay. I guess... But Wait, I
2: don't know what it is. The so, pick was not
1: so. First much. of all, it's four rounds, and it includes trades. Okay, and he's. Not I only the, looked at the first round. He's not the only one to include trades. If you're doing a mock draft and it includes trades, you might as well be. It might as well be like a creative writing project <laughs> for a junior college English class. Yeah, I but I to mean, be truthful, I mean, come on.
0: If you don't have trades, then you're definitely never going to nail anything because there's always trades. But anyways, go ahead.
1: So, he has the Cardinals trading out at 23, moving down to 29 in a deal with the Chiefs. KC would take Chris Olave, the receiver out of Ohio State. Which, and then if
0: it, he's there at 23, the Cardinals, I would think, would take him. But, anyway,
1: Totally agreed. And at number 29, the Arizona Cardinals Wrong. select 20, 29th overall running back, Brees Hall, out of Iowa State. Never going to happen. No chance. Nope. No chance. None. Not going to happen. Nope. So, uh, look here, here here's, here's the most intriguing part of these mock drafts. It might be the only reason I'm looking at these mock drafts is because if the authors are talking to front offices, I'm trying to get an answer to one question and one question only. How many quarterbacks are going to be drafted before the 23rd pick in the first round? Because if you're telling me only two quarterbacks are going to be drafted before the Cardinals, that's problematic. As in this one. Or there was another one that came out recently. I'm trying to, I think it was ESPN.com, might have been McShay, had five quarterbacks going before the Arizona Cardinals draft at number 23. If you're telling me there's a run on quarterbacks before the Cardinals and five of them go and it pushes that many more position players down, that is a double ding all day long. That is a great scenario if you're the Arizona Cardinals. There's
0: no way five quarterbacks go.
1: He had three of the top five picks going to quarterbacks. No way. Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and Matt Corral, all in the top five of this one mock draft I saw. It was either NFL.com or ESPN.com. I know there's hundreds, literally hundreds of mock drafts, but this was a mainstream uh, proven NFL insider who had this. So anyway, but that is a question, don't you think, Danny? How many quarterbacks go? Because... If there is a reluctance to draft quarterback by these other teams, by far the most important position in the game of football, but if this is in the year that teams are going to feel that need and urgency, then guess what? All of a sudden, I'm not nearly as confident the Cardinals are getting the receiver, the edge guy, and or the corner they need.
2: And then that starts to question, okay, well, that mock draft had him trading down. Is there any scenario if that's the case? The Cardinals are now having to look at what assets they have, and maybe trade, up. And trade if you're, up if you're that serious about getting these players. Of, we were talking about this earlier. Of trading back is it's great if you don't need a quarterback and there's a lot being taken off the board because you can trade back and say we are comfortable taking this many players and so we know if we trade back this in many spots, we will still get at least one of them.
0: One of the interesting things I've that I've that I've seen, and again, I'm not making this commitment to what I think of this draft class because I I don't know. But there's a lot of people that feel like the, the players you're getting at 20 to 25 are going to be not that much different than the players you're going to get from probably 1 to 10. And it's, it's not top-heavy like that. There is no – I mean, if you look at uh, – a lot of people are saying Hutchinson is going to go first, the, the edge rusher for Michigan. And they're saying that he's good. He's going to be – he's got a real good chance of being good. But we're not talking about Nick Bosa you know, and obviously the quarterbacks you've already mentioned, nobody is talking about any of these quarterbacks as like Andrew Luck or even Kyler Murray. So, you know, this is, this is kind of what you're facing and that when you talk about trading down, okay, you're sitting at 23. There's nobody that really stands out to you. You know, it depends on who's going to be there. Now we can only go by the the names that keep popping up and, and going like Daniel Jeremiah was on the Pash podcast this week and, um, I know he mentioned cornerbacks is one that's sticking in my head. And, like, the McDuffie kid from, uh, uh, from Washington yep. and Gardner from Cincinnati and uh, Stingley from LSU. He's like, all those guys are going to be gone before the Cardinals pick. And I believe that Stingley is and I believe that Gardner is. But what happens if, like, Trent McDuffie happens to fall to you? Then that just changes the equation or the, the Chris Olav kid maybe that changes the equation or one of these pass rushers, if the right one falls, you know, where you're not expecting them to, and that's, that sometimes happens. Now, what usually happens on draft day, especially in the first round is there is going to be a guy sitting there for the Cardinals at 23 that everybody and their brother said was going to be gone before 20. But what you're finding is, is the reason he fell is because every, everybody was wrong and every team in the league and, Usually that includes the Cardinals said to themselves, yeah, this guy isn't, this guy isn't a top 20 pick, and so everybody's disappointed or the Cardinals get on the clock. Or, well, why aren't you going to take this guy? This is he's the number one guy in ESPN's board. I've seen his name up there, best remaining player over and over. Why aren't you taking him? And that's because there's nobody in the league that really ever believed
1: that that guy was that good.
2: Sometimes it just that's the way the cookie crumbles, though. I mean, there have been the players chocolate
1: chip cookie for breakfast
2: or the scone. Come on, crumbles. easy, guys. I
1: only have four days to go. Easy.
2: Uh, I just, I mean, there's so much that obviously goes into the pick of not just best player available, but what do you need, or where are your other picks, of and and all of that stuff. So I do think there's a chance that if if there's a player and it's we were not expecting them to be there at 23, I don't think it necessarily means that. Oh, all these mock drafts, you know, the teams view them differently. I think it's just. Other players that are good that probably fit their needs a little better, and sometimes well, it just
0: but but okay, this is a great debate because we're not talking about individual people, but when you start saying it 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 matters over what needs are and everything okay, but it doesn't it doesn't ultimately matter. you can't sit there and say, "How do I want to put this? you can't sit there and say this guy's a top twenty pick when nobody picked him top twenty fair Tom Brady. Right? as great as he became, you can't say that everybody missed on him because everybody thought he was not good enough. Everybody multiple times. Now he turned it to a place where it turned out he was, and he went in the, in the right position. But like, like, I don't, should he have gone higher than the six? Yeah. But I mean, are you going to sit here and say Tom Brady should have been the number one overall pick in, in 1999, I think was his draft class or 98. Can't remember which one. Um, you know, should he have been the number one overall pick? Well, I guess in hindsight you could say that, but I mean, you weren't even saying that two years into his career.
2: I'm just saying there's a chance that players fall. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it people were, I guess, wrong in their valuations through mock drafts or anything like that. It just, it just depends. I'm just saying, don't need.
0: Oh, oh, but see, see, I wholly disagree. Okay. I'm just gonna say you're wrong, and no, I mean, ultimately, if you can't. If, if, if nobody thinks you're that, that's like saying, I, I think of, uh, an evaluation of a player is almost all about where they go, at least at first, right?
2: I think we just slightly disagree okay, on this. I, I think that a player can fall and it can just sometimes happen that way mm-hmm. of the teams that are picking and what they're looking for or where their other picks are or any a whole number of reasons. I don't necessarily think that means that teams don't think they're good
1: well, I think of players who have fallen, and and then teams will pounce on them and then regret it later. Robert Kimdichie. That's a good one. Uh, to a lesser degree, Alan Branch. Oh, this guy's a first-round pick all day long. There he is in the second. We're going to get him. Well, wait a minute to your point, Darren. There's a reason he fell into round two, and why was that? Sometimes that's that's more of an alarm bell as to, wait a minute, What do other teams know that perhaps we don't? There's got to be a reason why he just keeps falling and he's still available pick after pick. So, you know, whether that pertains to the Cardinals this time around or not, I'm not sure. I do know that as far as receiver goes. (laughs) And you guys know this. The first two months of this year, what was I over here? And I was pounding this table, and I'm saying, find yourself that special receiver in round two. Give me a Devonte Adams. Give me a Debo Samuel, an A.J. Brown, a, a Jarvis Landry, a Michael Thomas, a Chase Claypool, Michael Pittman Jr., right? These are all round two receivers, a Cooper Cup in round three. Use that round one pick for an edge guy. But if that first wave of edge guys is gone by 23 and one of the first wave of receivers is still on the board, for example, Mel Kuyper, latest Mel Kuyper. He projects at receiver, Drake, London, USC, to the Jets, number four. Ohio State's Garrett Wilson to the Falcons, number eight. Ohio State's Chris Olave to the Eagles, number 16. Jamison Williams, mm, this hurts, to the Patriots at number 21. And that would leave Jahan Dotson or Traylon Burks from Arkansas at 23, according to Mel Kuyper for the Cardinals. Now, just me, I have no interest in Jahan Dotson whatsoever. I don't want a 178-pound receiver. We've been there and done that recently. Don't want the... Small diminutive receiver who's a burner and is automatically and only a slot receiver. I
0: appreciate you not going there, Paul.
1: But, tr- <laughs> but Traylon Burks, this dude. Usually you
0: guys stick together. This dude. And
2: Paul, I'm, this dude. I'm just I'm just yeah. listening to Paul. Continue. I'm, ju- I'm
1: just saying, as a fine diminutive American myself, a man's got to know his limitations, and uh, we we've been there and done that with these sort of receivers. That's all I'm saying over here. Give me Traylon Burks, 6'2", 225. dude benches three eighty. He squats 500. He's described as a bully. Uh, Rashad Johnson, the former Cardinal safety, Alabama broadcaster, was waxing poetic about Traylon Burks and the physicality and the versatility in that Alabama-Arkansas game this past year, and just how they're able to throw him slants and digs and the quick game, and and, and they literally put put him in every single spot on the offense except offensive line. They line him up at tight end, they line him up at quarterback, running back. He's Debo Samuel on steroids. Here we go. He's even bigger. I mean, I'm thinking Anquan Bolden. I'm thinking that kind of physical guy. He didn't have the best measurables of the combine. Traylon Brooks like Q. Still he ran a four five five. But just his ability to get yards with the ball in his hand. So I guess that's a really long-winded roundabout way of saying I have come around to the notion of a playmaking receiver in round one. If so be it, that guy is there.
2: Welcome.
1: (laughs) See, it took me three more months to see the light that Danny's seen all along. That's basically what that one word just said. That was fantastic.
2: (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) Uh, I think we talked about the wide receiver is one of those positions where typically you can – Use those players you take in the later rounds of the draft, and through working through training camp, right, Murky mini camp, couple games a season, you can kind of mold them to what you want. Is, you know that, that, that's a hard position. I mean, obviously all positions, but like that in cornerback is just the speed of the game is just it it's it's a lot early on, and so a lot of times those later picks it might take them a couple games, but you can get a lot overall. I would say in some of those later picks and wide receivers. However, I agree with you, especially as of late. We've talked about Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb. Those game-changing wide receivers and how they've worked out when you take a chance on them.
1: So, here's my question.
2: Oh, boy. Okay, why, let's team why, up. Why
1: do I feel like I'm going to bear the brunt of I'm, this question? I'm, wi- I'm with
2: you, Paul.
0: There's, you're, you're going into this. Your top three receivers would be Traylon Burks, who's best served getting the ball and Probably short
1: spaces and letting him go to work. Now, wait a minute. He did make catches downfield. Just put on the Alabama film. Your
0: next receiver is Rondale Moore, who's probably best served getting the ball in space and letting him go to work.
1: Wait a minute. Sean Jefferson said, and Danny Seaton told us he's got an expansive and advanced route tree, and he will be a downfield target.
0: And DeAndre Hopkins, who's best, probably served maybe a little bit further down the field and definitely outside, but still maybe shorter and letting him go to work. So
1: you're saying Traylon your Burks point? and <laughs> I mean, Rondell Moore are too much of the same? I, I guess
0: they're, they're obviously much different players in terms of size and stuff, but I'm like – and I'm not saying you can't make it work, but you you are now with that kind of setup, you're going to be inviting teams to uh, much, play much closer to the line of scrimmage and – potentially jam up that running game now obviously rondale moore's got a ton of speed um and you can send him deep but by almost all accounts and i'm sure rondale would probably argue the point but by most accounts he is best served again getting the ball in space and letting him go Um, And I'm just curious of of how your offense functions if Burks is your guy and those are your top three receivers. And, oh, by the way, you also have Zach Ertz, who is not going to be working really far downfield either. Well, you mentioned – I just – I
2: mean, but also to some – I mean, you get the good players and you craft your scheme around that. I don't – oh, I I got a one-word response. Well, I'm just
0: saying – I'm not saying you don't put your players in the best positions, but if you if you – the players you have – are too
2: similar in their skull set?
0: Can't. I mean, the, what, what, it's not only do you craft it, but it's always put your players in the best positions to make them succeed. And if most of them, the best player put positions where they succeed is not down the field.
1: I'm going to say something really profound right now Playmakers make plays. Anquan Bolden ran a 4 7 at true. the combine. Yep. And he was ridiculously productive and a borderline Hall of Famer. Also true. Debo Samuel arguably the best all-around offensive weapon in the NFL last year. And he's not known as a burner. Nope. And he's used out of the backfield. He's used it in the lateral game quite a bit. You're absolutely right. So, you know. Brandon I, Ayuk I, isn't. Yes. But, I get, that's, yeah.
0: but so, see, you're, you're arguing singular, singular players, though. I'm arguing in the context. I'm not saying in a vacuum, Burks doesn't make a lot of sense as your Samuel guy. But, like, even when Anquan was doing his thing here, for the most part, Larry was your down-the-field guy. Now, he didn't have tremendous speed, but he was your down-the-field guy. You'd throw it up and he'd make the play.
1: I'm just saying that, although he's not a burner. Now, 4-5-5 five, five isn't 4-7. I mean, Traylon Burks, he can run, but, you know, he, I mean, what 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 is all what did, what did a 4-2-40 do for John Ross, right? I mean, either also you true. you can play or, or, or you can't, but getting back to Daniel Jeremiah – because I transcribed what he told Dave Pash on the Pash podcast, just about what he liked the most about Traylon Burks. He mentioned the measurables, the physical part of his play, and he said, I looked at wide receiver the last few years, and what do the top wide receivers all have in common? Whether it's different styles or skill sets, they all have this one thing in common, and that is what he calls play strength. The ability to make a play on the ball when it's up in the air, in traffic, the guys who can come down with it, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, even Cooper Cup, he cited at 215-220, has a lot of play strength. And once again, Cooper Cup is not a burner. He's no. not a guy who's going to wow you in the 40. And he said, this is Daniel Jeremiah still, to add that sort of wide receiver to DeHop and Rondell Moore, he thinks would be an asset, uh, once again, I don't want the Jahan Dotson types, you know, the hundreds, you know, but if you're giving me D-Hop, Burks, and Rondale Moore, I think there's enough difference in those three receivers. At the very least, a defense is going to have to keep an eye on a Traylon Burks, and it's going to help, you know, in, in terms of DeAndre Hopkins, because when you see this stat, and I know you saw this, Darren, uh, in fact, DeAndre Hopkins himself retweeted, you guys probably all saw it was from the Pro Football Focus Patriots account on Twitter, Highest passer rating generated when targeted in 2021. Number one, DeAndre Hopkins 141.4 was the passer rating by Cardinals QBs, mostly Kyler Murray. For those that aren't when targeting aware, DeAndre Hopkins. The highest
0: passer rating you can get is 158.3,
1: and that was number one in the NFL. A highest passer rating generated when targeted as a receiver. So what does that tell us? A, that tells us D Hop is really good. But number two. Um, does that tell you the Cardinals in dire need of another option?
2: Well, let me, uh, if, if we're talking about, if you're going to, dra- hence,
1: hence, it's worth a first round pick
2: Traylon Burks. We're going to stick with that if they draft him. So throwing out the question here, what about the thoughts of bringing back someone like an AJ green? Why does that have to be stuck on those? your on those as your wide receivers?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think, I think that option is very much there right now because you cannot go into the you cannot go into the draft assuming you're going to get a receiver uh, or at least a receiver that I mean they're going to draft a receiver but is it going to be in the first round, second round, even third round or is it going to be one of those later picks? So I think AJ Green is absolutely still on the board depending on what happens in the draft. And, you know, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. Um because if you do get there, and the the right pass rusher is there in the first round, and then a really good cornerback is there in the second round, well, maybe that's what you're going for. And we haven't even talked about offensive linemen, which I'm not ruling out. We've talked about this before, Danny. I mean, you know, four of their five starters are gonna are are going to be free agents after the season, so mm. you know, you you
2: and they don't have a backup center at the moment,
0: right? I mean, I, I do think that they've got to continue to. Uh, build on that. And, look, I'm not advocating that you have to do everything uh, because it's about the offense and everything. But at some point, you know, because he already has, your quarterback is going to notice when you don't take an offensive player in the first round. And if you do it for a third year in a row.
1: What was the year all the Cowboys fans wanted Jerry Jones to draft Johnny Manziel? And he went with the right guard? Or Zach, Mar- Zach, Zach Martin, Martin in
2: 2014.
1: Yes. Best pick Jerry never made and then did make. No Johnny Manziel, right? Forget Future the, Hall of
2: Famer, Zach Martin. Right?
1: Forget the fans, forget the headlines, forget the live TV trucks outside the complex. We're just going Zach Martin at guard. And I. I that would be the equivalent Cardinal style this year. Like we're all, I'm sitting here, I'm drooling over a Traylon Burks, or give me some big pass rusher with a motor, even give me Devontae Wyatt, the human wrecking ball from the inside, the Georgia D lineman extraordinaire. Give me one of those guys, and then you go with some guard out of Texas A and M, whose name I already forget and I can never remember, and for good reason because he's an interior offensive lineman. But it might end up being the best pick you could possibly make in the long term. To Darren's point, and. And you're right, I am dismissing, or at least neglecting to mention that offensive line very much could be a priority well, because teams always typically work a year in advance. Like and you so said, you're at least going to have some needs this time next year at offensive line.
0: It's not the sexy pick, and we all know, Paul, you're all about the sexy. So <laughs> Well,
1: here's it. my other fear, thanks for asking, is that when it comes to wide receiver, there could be a big run right before the Cardinals pick because in all these mock drafts, most of these mock drafts, the Eagles are targeting receiver at 18 The Saints are targeting receiver at 19. The Patriots are definitely targeting receiver at 21. And, of course, the Packers are thinking receiver at 22, even though they haven't drafted a receiver in the first round in some 15, 20 years. The stat is ridiculous. Last time the Packers went receiver in round one.
2: And other other teams, I know at least the Cowboys pick, I know you keep saying that, but pick 24 and they got rid of, or they let go, Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper. So there's other teams who will likely be looking to trade up to get a wide receiver as well. It's not just those teams already set in front of the Cardinals.
1: Then again, the last time the Cardinals went receiver in round one? Michael Floyd, 2012. 2012. That means that Steve Keim, who took over officially as GM in 2013, has never drafted receiver as a position in round one, correct?
0: No. And it just doesn't ring true to me that it would be something, I mean, unless it was somebody super special. I mean, hell, you can go back, and it's a different game. We all know that, but you could go back to 2004, and if Steve Keim had been in charge of that draft, I believe the Cardinals would have taken Ben Roethlisberger, and that wouldn't have been Larry Fitzgerald.
1: Mm. (laughs) Interesting. Let that hang in the air. That's really. By the way, 2004 was the year with the most receivers taken in the first round of any draft. There were I seven. That's correct. There were seven taken that year. And most now, the last two stopped. years have been six and five in one year or the other. So, that number's been ratcheting up recently. Well, and
0: again, the thing about receivers these days is, and everybody's saying this, because of the, the influx of uh, more past first high school programs, which took a while to catch up but it's now it's becoming easier to win by spreading out high school defenses and throwing the ball all over the place and you have all these seven on seven passing leagues and everything there is a belief that you were always going to have four or five stud receivers coming out on a yearly basis now so you don't get one now or one might become a free agent later or there might become and that's the thing that's why That's one of the reasons the Packers were willing to move on from Devontae Adams. It's one of the reasons all these teams are willing to trade on these receivers that have been good. That's one of the reasons there's so much talk about whether the Seahawks keep both Tyler Lockett and or D.K. Metcalf. It's because we know we could probably get somebody cheaper all over in the draft and somebody else can pay them. And let's not forget that the Cardinals are also already paying a hefty price for a wide receiver.
1: The best thing that's happened in the last week – is the fact that the Houston Texans gave another two years to Brandon Cooks. Because I couldn't stand seeing those rumors out there. That the Cardinals are going to give up a round two pick for Brandon Cooks and pay the contract. Why would you think that would happen? Well, a ton of rumors out there. Wolf was hammering me with it. That he was on board with... Yeah, trade your round two pick for Brandon Cooks. I'm like, and give him the contract? No, No, no. and more no. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, The best news I saw over the weekend is when the Texans came to terms with Brandon Cooks on a long-term extension. Great. Eliminate that possibility, please. And by the way, Daniel Jeremiah told uh, Dave Pasch that when he was with the Ravens in their personnel department, one pick, that they, they rude the day when they failed to pick Anquan Bolden that he was on that that they loved Anquan Bolden they didn't pull the trigger on Anquan Bolden and man from game 1 of his rookie year which was a record setting game at Detroit which I think you were at that game right I was at that game yes yeah what was it 10 for 217 or something two, even
0: re- 10 for 217 and two touchdowns, two touchdowns. and yet all <laughs> Anquan could think about was a muffed punt return that ended up turning the game in the Lions favor Yeah
1: that's classic Anquan so and by the way um not to rub it into the Ravens but um they, uh, I, I looked at their draft picks in 2003, the year Anquan Bolton was drafted. That was the year they got Terrell Suggs, by the way, 10th overall in the trade with the Cardinals. Yep. And that's when the Cardinals had uh, traded down to 17 and 18, and they got Bryant Johnson and Calvin Pace, right? Correct. Okay. Well, they the traded re-
0: down to get Jerome McDougal, who the Eagles ended up taking, I believe, at 15. And so all of a sudden the Cardinals, thinking that McDougal would be there, kind of had to adjust.
1: Mm. Well, uh, the rest of their draft class that year. By the way, I looked it up. So, it was Suggs, T. Sizzle, tenth. Kyle Bowler, nineteenth. Kyle Bowler is to my Cal Bears what Drew Locke is to your Mizzou. What, what's your, what's your nickname again, the Mizzou Tigers? Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm just giving you a hard Drew time.
0: Locke was a little bit better at Missouri than Kyle Bowler was at Cal, right? Whoa, that's it. That's Did it. You guys win that's some it. Games? Fight words.
1: Easy. Did you yeah, am I guys
2: win games.
1: It was his. Uh, I believe so. This was 2003. So, you know what? That was the first year Jeff Tepford came in. Okay. And he turned around Kyle Bowler, made him a first round pick. And then right after Kyle Bowler, you know who came in? Aaron Rodgers. I've heard of him. Who? So the quarterback whisperer that was Jeff Tedford in Berkeley. By the way, the rest of the draft class in the third round: Musa Smith, the running back out of Georgia. This is the
0: Ravens draft class. I'm not <laughs> really sure why we're <laughs> talking about. Who, the who had less draft than 500 yards? I'm just Paul saying.
1: Have his fun? I'm just saying that the, that the, the Ravens regretted not taking Anquan Bolden. Oh, I see what you're saying. Just a, you know. But here's what else Daniel Jeremiah said. As I scroll up here because I wrote this down as well. Here we go, and I'm quoting. I am quoting Daniel Jeremiah. Knowing Steve Kime, I guess there's a connection. Daniel Jeremiah and Kime, they have long known each other, probably from the personnel circles back when. Okay, probably. So he said, knowing Steve, as my phone uh, leaves me uh, searching once again. Here it is. There are certain players that I can see appealing to Steve Kime just knowing him, like Devontae Wyatt, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. That's Daniel Jeremiah and what he told Dave Pash. Wyatt, of course, is the running mate with Jordan Davis. Trayvon Walker, that ridiculous defensive front by Georgia all the way to the national title. But Wyatt is the guy who's 6'3", 304, ran the four seven seven forty. He's known as an every-down defensive lineman, which is something Jordan Davis is not known because Correct. of his weight and maybe his motor. Uh, he's described as disruptive. And, and, and most of the scouts say he has the quickest first step in the defensive line class, 2022 Devontae Wyatt. And I'm just thinking, follow me here, If you want your two inside linebackers to shine and keep offensive linemen off your inside linebackers so they can make plays and roam and hunt sideline to sideline, then investing a first-round pick and run-stuffing dynamic disruptive defensive tackle is a pretty good plan to follow up on the last two years in round one.
2: The part of the defense that, if you're looking overall as a whole from last season, was the most inconsistent yes. as well. Yes. And, and I, I would not have a problem taking an interior defensive lineman early. Honestly, there are very few positions I feel like wouldn't make much sense and a good amount of positions where if we're talking interior defensive lineman, we're talking wide receiver, an edge, or even an interior offensive lin- corner. I, I, corner? Corner. Any of those, to me, Makes sense. Do some of them seem more blaring, right, than an interior defensive lineman at the moment, like an edge or a wide receiver? Yes, but when you look at it the way you were describing, how that affects your linebackers, or looking in the future, right, how much longer do you have at the moment with J.J. Watt or, you know, Zach Allen trying to think ahead a bit, I I would like the idea of taking an interior defensive lineman at 23rd overall.
1: What do you think about that, Darren? Is is that You know, if offensive line is maybe under the radar, what about defensive line in round one for the Arizona Cardinals?
0: Again, I'm I'm a big believer in that first-round pick hopefully is going to be a difference maker for you wherever he might be. And if that means at 23 you see a guy that you believe is going to be a Zach Martin or Quentin Nelson, I would take him if if you think it's going to be uh i would prefer a three down defensive lineman um so if you think that that's Wyatt i don't have any problem taking that because that's that's a guy who's going to make a difference for you i thought it was interesting with daniel jeremiah saying that he feels like the cardinals could line up today and play and they they don't have a gun to their heads in terms of having to take any one particular position going into the draft now i'm i'm assuming he means Probably more so, like, in the first round. I mean, I do think there are some spots that they need to fill that they probably need to address at some point. But maybe you're not locked into that in the first round. And I, I'm i on the fence on that. I, I mean, again, to me, if there's a really good pass rusher there in the first round of 23, I wouldn't mind getting that. Or a really good wide receiver. But again, you have to be convinced. Like, I don't want to see them taking... A Cody Smith, who was a second-round pick in—or not Cody Smith. Cody, Cody Brown. Brown, yes. Uh, oh. A second-round pick mm. in 2009. I'm going to take a after knee after the Super Bowl year because they desperately needed a pass rusher. They forced the pick in the second round to take the best pass rusher they could find, even though they knew he wasn't good enough, and he wasn't good enough. And I don't—I just don't want them. I don't want to see them doing that. That makes no sense to me. And I do think. You know, in those days, I think Steve Kime has learned in that regard to not do something like that.
1: So so if you went, for example, edge in, in round one just to finish up on receiver, then maybe you go after a Sky Moore out of Western Michigan in round two. If a Christian Watson, who's who's an up-and-comer and is rising on of North Dakota state, great size, 6'4", 6'5", maybe he's there. Or, or Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, maybe that's your round two selection as one of those guys who falls to to 55. The question is, will there be a run on edge rushers before you get to 23? Daniel Jeremiah he doubled down with Dave Pasch that the it goes 20 deep. There are 20 talented edge rushers in this draft who are ready to make a difference and be playmakers at the NFL level. Now, what that means exactly, but I'm guessing the Cardinals are going to be looking at a collection of you know Boye Mafe out of Minnesota or maybe Arnold Ibikadi out of Penn State, you know Nick Benito is a guy, you know that I've been all over but not not like it's it's some sort of revelation. The scouts have known about this guy for a while, but now he's starting to get a lot of buzz. So what does that mean? You know, if there's going to be a run on receivers, could there usually be a run on edge rusher?
2: Well, my thought of you saying that is Cardinals seem to be in a good position. Those are two of the top arguably three if you want to throw in maybe cornerback positions of need for the Cardinals. So whether it's a run on wide receivers or edge rushers the chance when you sprinkle in some of those quarterbacks or other position, right offensive linemen here and there seems like a good chance whether it's an edge rusher or a wide receiver that a player the cardinals like will be there at 23 because if you're saying it's deep and wide receiver and as pass rushers those are both high needs for the cardinals
0: well it also to me speaks a little bit to where the talented young you know young athletes are going to play. They're going to play edge rusher. They're going to play receiver because that's what the NFL needs these days. That's what the game's all about. Pass rush and the passing game. And so I would hope that those would be stronger spots and why there's fewer guys playing the other positions. And Danny's right as she chooses to make it rain over there. Um, because it money is. Money positions. It is, they are the money positions. The number of times it was funny. I've gone to so many combines at this point, 20 or 21 or 22. Whatever it is. And You know, you get these players talking and, you know, once upon a time, you know, you're talking to these running backs and this happens and that happens. And as the time went on and the number of running backs that would come out and say, I really wish I would have played a different position. And and that's kind of where you are with some of this stuff. And some of these guys, you know, so getting back to the original point, I do think. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be a great edge rusher, but if you've got some talent, that's where you're going to find yourself. You're going to find yourself out on the edge, or you're going to find yourself catching passes, or you're going to find yourself defending passes in the corner. Or by.
2: if you've got a high ceiling and this coaching staff likes where you can
0: go. Well, I mean, and again, to me, I don't mind high ceilings, but I, you got to be real careful. I think there's been a couple picks that this team has made that it was about the ceiling, and they never got there because – it was about the ceiling. And and I I do think you got to be smart about taking a guy who you think can be productive, even if his ceiling isn't super high. I mean, I I think that's one of the reasons Cooper cup was a third round pick was because, okay, his ceiling isn't super high, but maybe he can be really good. Now, obviously he's been better than everybody thought, but you know, I I think you got to, you got to make sure that there's some production there and and you got to be very aware of, Okay, he does have all the measurables, but if he's got all the measurables and it hasn't shown up in games yet, why is that? And is it really going to change on this level?
1: All right, I'll give you a scenario. Here we go. John Mechie, receiver out of Alabama. This is the kid who tore his ACL in the SEC title game. So not Jamison Williams. Who tore his ACL in the national title game. Got it. John Mechie is more of a slot receiver. What did the Cardinals just lose? Christian Kirk right? Okay. The one thing that we didn't see coming this offseason, oh, that guy got Christian Kirk money, right? So as soon as Christian Kirk got his money, the rest of the receiver uh, world just went bonkers. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, who else am I missing? And, uh, and Tyree Kill, yeah. obviously, all got paid El Grande, okay? And traded. Yes. So... If John Mechie, for example, with a torn ACL is sitting there in round three, and in rounds one and two you've gone offensive line and edge or edge and offensive line. Not receiver. Exactly. Then boom, because this is a guy that Daniel Jeremiah cited out of nowhere. Well, our day pass just said, give me a guy under the radar who you thinks is going to be really good that people aren't talking enough about. Rashad Johnson, Alabama broadcaster. We asked him that same question. He mentioned John Mechie, clean route runner, catches everything, tough, excellent play strength. You know, he's going to catch 80 balls every year over a 10 year career, is what Daniel Jeremiah so, said. So I could see if they're going to go receiver, they could maybe wait until round three for, just, for a guy like that.
0: Why? I understand the, the, the conversation when you're talking about waiting for round three, but I, I'm curious as a Paul Calvisi. Here we go. Paul Calvisi. Here we go. Chocolate chip cookie eater. Please don't say
1: that. Uh, what you don't, you don't have one, do you?
0: Why? Why would you be so against Dotson in the first round, but you're willing to go with a slot receiver in the third round?
1: Well, first off, Mechie has a reputation for being tough, like tough as nails that Dotson doesn't quite have. But okay. uh, but uh, it's. I mean, y- we do agree that uh, getting a guy in round three is much different than round one, right? If you if you're already able to get your but isn't Dotson two other a, posi- a
0: slot guy, kind of.
1: Dutton is, yeah, sock. So at 178 pounds. I, I, I don't understand. Mechie is like, more like 200 pounds, though. I mean, he's more like. Well, okay,
0: but what are you doing with Rondale Moore then?
1: If you believe Sean Jefferson, who we had on the Big Red Rage, and they're moving him outside uh, Paul and down has, the field, has built his entire offseason on
0: Rondale Moore being your number two outside but, receiver.
1: But hang on. Hang on. You need receivers, period. I, I mean, agree. you have D Hop, Rondale Moore, and. You're right. A guy whose first name is Jack and last no, name is Squat. So at this why, point.
0: why are you dis dis so, uh, disapproving of uh, Dotson? Then
1: I'm just saying, if you can get a guy who's going to be who's going to have a decade career in the NFL sitting there in round three, then John Mechie could wow, be that guy. That's all sure I'm saying. That. That's when all did he, I'm
2: saying. You said what? MCL. A C L. When?
1: S E C title game. So that would have been late
0: November, or early uh, December. Early
1: December.
2: So how early is he even going to start? Workouts?
1: Not really sure. Just like Jamison Williams, I don't really know. He, he's going to be on he the. He doesn't pop even know list. if he'll
2: be ready for tra- like. There's no way for training but like,
1: camp. But Jamison Williams, I, I'd be willing to wait. I right. have no problem if they drafted Jamison Williams. I will wait. Right.
0: And and I think that that would be something they would consider. I, I just think you you've got to you've got to be absolutely sure that this guy, the uh, from the other guy from Alabama, Michi. John Mechie. Mechie. Uh, sorry, I, I don't know. Um, you've got to be absolutely sure that he's going to be really – because if you spend a third-round guy on a guy with a knee injury
1: – You've got to do your due diligence. you got to look mean, into are it. You,
0: the, this team's had a lot of washout receivers, unfortunately, in the draft. You, I don't think you can afford another one.
1: I'm just sort of reverse engineering a scenario starting with round three. Yeah. Then if round two you're going to go with the edge rusher because once upon a time I was thinking Nick Benito in round two, not going to happen. He, he's not falling to 55 based on what we're seeing and hearing. So now, as I mentioned, you know, the honor of uh, Boye Mafé, they probably won't be there either. So now maybe you're looking at Drake Jackson out of USC, who's more of a body type of Chandler Jones, not quite as tall, but he's sort of long and smooth, you know, been a bit inconsistent over his USC career, but how many different coaches and, you know, trauma and dysfunction as USC had as a program so you know maybe that's because of that but here's the other guy this is where I'm driving here's the other guy my new my new round 2 update desk edge rusher how about Josh pascal out of Kentucky have you seen this guy 6327847740 only three-time full season captain in school history at Kentucky do the cardinals like to draft guys who are team captains they do okay uh he was second team all sec academic all american Led Kentucky, who had a pretty solid season. Hello, Corey Peters. We see you over there, uh, and he had fifteen and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and twelve starts. And what's yeah, he an
2: edge guy? I know. Yeah, he, get to the good part. He, get to the good part. He,
1: he's described uh, here as a thicker Ziggy Ansah.
2: Isn't this is the player who also beat cancer?
1: Yeah. Good junior knowledge. Right, right? Good knowledge. Like,
2: sophomore junior year.
1: Nice. If we're talking reality shows, give her a big red rose over there, Danny Sarek, because yes, it was July of 2018, he was diagnosed with malignant melanoma uh, in his foot. The bottom of his right foot underwent multiple surgeries and a year of treatment. And uh, when they brought him back, like I said, he was a three-time team captain, 19, 20, and 21. And the Kentucky coaches say, in addition to being a player, this guy is all about building a culture because he's all about football on and off the field etc. So I'm I just I'm trying to that, think of a viable round 2 edge rusher that could be the guy.
0: That's so you see him playing linebacker?
1: They say he he's an edge guy. He's he's incredibly fierce in setting the edge and now he doesn't have that that he doesn't have that burst athletically that would get him into the first round as a pass rusher.
0: Just seems a big boy to be sitting yeah. there on the outside in this defense. But maybe, that's just me. Maybe.
1: So uh, that's just my you know now melvin ingram took a visit to the dolphins on the day we're recording this so yeah. you know, is there still a veteran pass rusher out there darren urban i put it to you is there still a veteran pass rusher who's going to be wearing a cardinals uniform this year that's on the free market right now yes okay care to name names
0: no i and it may end up being somebody you've never heard of but there'll be a veteran
2: and that's a promise <laughs> just kidding
1: so it won't be a big name, Melvin Ingram, J and Clowney. Didn't, I didn't say that it okay. wouldn't. I I I
0: didn't, right. didn't say it would though. Okay. All
1: right. I'm gonna ask you this question, but Do
0: you, you don't think there'll be a veteran?
1: No, I think there will. They okay. have to. you, you don't you have got
2: another it. choice.
1: Y- well, yeah, you have lots of choices. Oh
2: uh, I'm and by the even way even a draft pick, I would still try and look for it.
0: That's what we're saying, but that doesn't mean they absolutely have you said they don't have a choice. To bring in a veteran. We all have choices yeah
1: by the, way, <sighs> by the way, you're being belittled right now, just like last week I was ridiculed by Darren Urban, <laughs> and and I might have to narrow that down a little bit as to exactly what's the
2: common denominator there. Exactly,
1: Paul? I'm gonna have to narrow by that way, down a little bit.
0: Somebody in the mailbag was talking about how much they loved our chemistry. <laughs> really? So, oh wow!
2: Well. Really?
1: No a translation. Glad for that. I, I don't want to ruin anything we've built no, here. No, <laughs> they love they love how Danny and Paul take a beat down from Darren is yes. what they're like. He, the latest last week was uh Darren Snarky aside that oh Paul's the first guy in the history of the draft to say it's better to go into the draft with multiple needs than fewer needs okay <laughs> but you know okay i might have to own that one <laughs> but but Daniel Jeremiah uh, Daniel Jeremiah himself said that because there's no obvious tell right now with the Cardinals that they could go any one of these positions because they haven't signed a Jadavian Clowney or a Julio Jones <laughs> you're, you're right. or a Stefan Gilmore. He they could not... still go receiver edge corner O-line. <laughs> so you it. know what? <laughs> I, love I, I feel vindicated. Good job, Paul. I really do. Thank you. You're a step you, ahead
0: of us. You actually made the point that they are in a better position to draft because they don't have all these holes. <laughs> I think he was making the point that they don't really have a bunch of holes. <laughs> But okay, if you would like to, if yeah. you would like to dovetail that together, I, I'm going to give I, you that one. I mean, it
1: it <laughs> still amounts to the same strategy, you know. It really does. You just got there. You just got there in a different way than than yours, truly. Honestly, though, between now and the draft, I don't. Unless the Cardinals are going to fill multiple holes, I don't think it really does them all that much you know good to go after some of these guys are still out there unless all of a sudden the price is right because the agent for one of these veterans says you know what we better sign before the draft which is a possibility is plausible and feasible there's no doubt about it otherwise I, I do think Daniel Jeremiah is right that a lot of teams looking at the Cardinals go man what are they going to target what are their priorities and 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 then again if you say to yourself, okay, you know what, we're signing Jadavian Clowney tomorrow, we're getting Stefan Gilmore the day after that, and you know what, Julio Jones come on board. And now all of a sudden you say, all right, and then we're going to use some draft capital and we're going to after one guy who's our guy in round one, or we're moving on up from 23 to 14 to get said guy. I could see that strategy as well, perhaps, if, if you're saying, you know what, we do have that urgency because the Super Bowl is in our building this year and we are all in on this year, this roster. And so all of a sudden in a flurry, when the prices come down right before the draft, you go after the free agents and then you get that one big guy in in day one or day two of the draft and maybe you expect so some draft capital. This?
0: Is this a prediction?
1: And maybe if you, and because these things come in threes, that's the first two parts of my prediction And maybe in line with that, there's also a contract extension for a certain quarterback that's announced before the draft. Write down
2: the date of this podcast.
1: So, whereas we've all been patient this offseason, maybe in a flurry of moves in the week or so leading up to the draft, all of a sudden things, Darren doesn't leave his laptop for 96 straight hours. That's my prediction.
2: The extension sounds reason maybe not before the draft but later on that sounds reasonable to me i guess my question to you is you guys have obviously been around this organization this front office more so than i have much because longer because you used to work
0: for the cowboys
2: my question is do you see this as a staff that's going to either adjust the philosophy or their intensity throughout this process because they're hosting the super bowl
1: and by the way danny's adjusting on the fly she's ignoring all references to the cowboys <laughs> no, and just proceeding it was, really that well it was really well done was really well done yeah I yeah enjoyed it. she was not drawn um, off sides by your hard snap count
0: do i think that no see i don't I, either I, don't, I mean ultimately um i mean i think they're trying to win and it doesn't matter where the super bowl is going to be I mean, I think that's where it comes down to it.
2: I get maybe, uh, you know, you feel a little more excitement. I, I have I feel, like, teams who have hosted I feel have like
0: Paul could clip that little soundbite that he just made of those predictions. And if he put it on Twitter, he would get a lot of likes because that's the kind of stuff that I think a lot of people would love to hear. I just don't know if it's going to happen.
1: Are you accusing me of being Paulie pandering? Is that what you're saying over there? Is that, is that, is that the accusation over there? By the way, uh, I'll just throw this out there, that if there is a contract extension for a certain quarterback, uh, I'm guessing that that number begins with a two, 200-something, and that maybe it ends up around, oh, the same average annual value as a Dak Prescott.
0: You're going on a limb and saying that. And Aaron
1: huh? Rodgers, and who's the other one? Matthew Stafford, who are all right at $40 million per year. That's just a gut feel. Going to throw that out there. What? We'll see. We'll rewind this in a couple of weeks and see what happens.
0: Why do you think that's a big-time
1: prediction? I mean, that's <laughs> – That's where that – Isn't that a given? <laughs> that's good. That's good. I mean, I just well, think that's
0: a given if and it, when he gets that extension. Yeah. I mean, his at this his rate, you're right. He's not going to agree to something <laughs> less than market value.
1: Although, wait a minute, Matthew Stafford does have a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers does have four. Count him four. He flashed a four at the Phoenix Open before he even got four four MVPs. And so I'm mean, just saying, the DeSean resumes. Deshaun Watson
0: has none of those things.
1: That's true. Yeah. But he has an employer who was utterly desperate and/or deranged, maybe. Uh, <laughs> in, in hindsight, <laughs> that's. Uh, it <laughs> is interesting that the you know,
0: NFLPA made an official the day of this yeah. taping, made an official push publicly to for players to try and essentially. Leverage themselves and get guaranteed contracts going forward.
1: Yeah. Funny how that happens. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. once again, are you guys now in agreement with my prediction going into the NFL owners' meetings that 31 owners wanted to do to Jimmy Haslam what Will Smith did to Chris Rock, right? I mean, <laughs> and, 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 and now. <laughs> seems
2: like now, ages ago.
1: Now you're seed evidence of, of what I was talking about then. It's coming to fruition now. Come on. I yeah, mean, I,
0: I don't <laughs> disagree with you there.
1: Uh, so. By the way, do you guys like the draft? Do you like this time of year? And and, and while you think about that, I'm just going to work this in. Or a friendly reminder to everyone that it's Draft Weekend Country Concert. All right, presented by SeatGeek, fe- featuring Ryan Hurd, Lanco, Callista Clark. It's going to be Saturday, April 30th, on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. That's Saturday, April 30th. That's Draft Weekend, the Draft Weekend Country Concert. Uh, For tickets and info, go to Sportsman'sParkAZ.com. That's Sportsman'sParkAZ.com. So there's that out there, okay? A big, big weekend at State Farm Stadium and out on the Great Lawn, both the draft and the country concert. You like this time of year, by the way, because you guys put in a lot of hours over a lot of days, including weekends for the draft. So, Danny, are you you on board with this tis the season?
2: I love the draft. I think it's so exciting the way that all the the lead up, right? You've got the senior bowl and the combine and pro days and all this stuff leading up to the draft and how teams are evaluating these players and how they're thinking they're going to make a difference on their team and how they're looking in the future and just the excitement of these players who have worked their whole lives and they're getting rewarded with that. And the chance to play in the NFL with the best of the best—I I think it's a really exciting time. I think, personally, like what we will be doing—it's a rush. It's—it's it's a long rush. It's a long weekend for us and working and covering all that. And so, of course, articles, shows, all everything, podcasts, all that stuff on on azcardinals.com. And that, to me personally, is exciting too. Just—it's—it's it's a long weekend, but it's a lot of fun covering that and and seeing where players end up.
0: See, for me, I I'm. I don't know why, but I mean, the, the thing about the draft is you're talking about so much stuff that probably is never going to come to fruition. Absolutely. That, that's kind of
2: it's it's hope, Darren.
1: Doesn't Cardinals VP of media relations, Mark Dalton, doesn't he track the accuracy of some of these mock drafts? Yes, and he has. Hasn't he found historically that even the top guys, the big names who do the mock drafts, maybe get two? Two picks it's, it's, correct it's, it's every year? It's usually a little bit better than that, but okay. it's,
0: it's not much more than five or six, okay. and they're all usually pretty high, and it just, I don't know. I Again, I, it, the, the thing about mock drafts is just, like, for what I do for a living, I write about this team. If the Cardinals draft a player, I'm going to write the hell out of that guy by the time he gets there. And if he, they don't draft him, nobody cares, so...
2: Oh, are we talking specifically about mock drafts?
0: I thought we were talking about no, the draft. No, we are
1: talking about the draft.
0: Well, this is why thing. next the year thing. I'm giving
1: up mock drafts for Lent. Once again, we're coming full circle. Like,
0: for instance, we talked a bunch about Burks today, right? Yep. We, we talked a significant amount about Burks. Oh, yeah. If they don't take them, it just
2: <laughs> right
0: feels kind of like wasted breath. Right.
2: In general, though, this the draft to... I mean, it lends the, itself
0: to a lot of speculation i'll give you that then
2: the new season has already obviously started with all of this going on but this is kind of the big hump to get over and it's like okay you know what no more speculation no more looking all that we've we've got a good chunk of the team now no, like l- l- let's get rolling that's right you got rookie minicamp you got otas coming up and and you know you blink and it's training camp
0: you know what? Also, I haven't even gone on vacation yet. You're already trying to blink us to a training camp. You Come were on, in
2: Dan. Florida two weeks ago, Darren.
1: See, he's he's not using the three-letter f-word fun when it comes to draft time. Tis the season. He's just not, Danny. That's a yet another difference. You're between gonna have you and fun at
2: that the the draft party His first be night. Blowing
1: yeah. in the wind I We'll heard. see we'll see how it goes. Last time We're I did one of these So that. last time I did one of these was 2019 it was Kyler Murray and the special guest up on stage was Jake Plummer and Frank Sanders and I made the mistake of going into my future of football, you know, he's got no, the arm uh, and the legs yeah, and and and, and then Jake Plummer didn't like that because he said, "Wait a minute, I was the future of football in 1998. What are you talking about?" Because he had the arm and the legs, Jake the snake. And so yeah, I personally offended Jake. 10 seconds into my opening uh, segment there up there on stage. So, yeah, that was – no, Jake Jake was good with that. He was giving me a hard time up there. By the way, I am reminded this time of year, though, how these top draft picks – I mean, you talk about nonstop. And when you look back, and we're going to get into December, and there's going to be a number of these rookies who hit that proverbial rookie wall. Yeah. Think about it. Their college season ends. They immediately go into training for the combine. Then it's the combine and all the stress, and you guys know that a lot better than me. You've attended these things for many years and then after that it, it is the season to do all the visits whether it, a lot of those guys then have their pro day then they have individual workouts and then they have the visits because every team can bring in 30 right yeah 30 and so these guys are non-stop jet setting around the country up until April 28th. and so and then all of a sudden they're drafted it's a whirlwind they come in and now they got to find a place to live and the whole thing and they do the rookie mini camps and then they get some time off in July and boom it's go time. And so, honestly, I'm reminded of why a lot of these rookies hit that wall come November and December, because they have had virtually no downtime since the end of their college careers. A full year. Yeah. It, it, and, you know, and that's why a lot of those guys take the step from year one to year two, because not only do they have the experience – but now they can regroup in their first full off season. They go into round two or year two, and then boom, they explode onto the scene, and that's when you see them at their best.
0: Now, I will say, speaking of like rookie mini camps and these guys coming in, I will say that, um, you know, having been downstairs a couple times now, and um, oh, do tell you know just being able to walk into a locker room that doesn't have a bunch of plexiglass everywhere to protect players and and have a bunch of the extra lockers taken out of there so it actually looks like the locker room that we remember in 2019 and and there's going to be an there should be an off season fingers crossed i know watching the news i'm starting to wonder a little bit about where we are going to be by the time we get to training camp but, oh boy um you know we we should have you know, a normal offseason, you know, again, depending on how many people show up and voluntarily how many veterans want to be here. But we'll see a lot of the rookies and it's just it is going to be when you talk about an offseason, Paul, just overall, it's going to be fascinating to watch it kind of play out to like, do we get kind of back to the levels and the, and the vibe that we had pre-COVID? Because uh, it's been a couple of interesting off seasons.
1: By the way, no one's going to Vegas for the draft. Are they? All the coverage is going to be done here from Cardinals HQ, right, the Dignity Health Training Center?
0: I believe we're going to have a potential uh, camera there in case our pick is there, but no, nobody, uh, everybody else is going to be doing our coverage. Yeah,
2: that first night, you'll be at State Farm Stadium. Correct. You'll be yep. here, Darren, writing. I'll yes. be uh, hosting a, a show with Craig Greelous, so we'll be here as well having some guests on and, and all that before the pick. So lots of coverage, but locally.
1: I just throw that out there because I find it interesting. I don't know if the sports book done this in the past. Maybe in Vegas they have, but they have hundreds of player prop bets on the NFL draft, which I was not aware of previously.
2: Like what? What are the fun ones?
1: So, you can find bets ranging from how many players from each position group will be drafted, okay, in the for, first
0: round or the yep, whole draft.
1: Well, they I think first round mainly. For example, the over under this year on receivers in the first round five and a half because two years ago six went last year five went the all-time record seven as we mentioned seven receivers in a first round that's the year larry was the first receiver taken 2004 so you know that's one uh that's out there the over under of individual players overall draft number so you can take Traylon burks and you can bet the over under on what his draft position will be I mean it's pretty crazy. Uh all the different options. Now, not what a What is middle, the
0: over under on trail trail on I
1: do not have that in front of me. Thank is you it for asking, Darren.
0: 23 and a half.
1: <laughs> I don't know which player will be drafted first at their respective position. So if you're thinking, okay, quarterback, is Kenny Pickett going to be the first quarterback? Is Malik Willis going to be the first quarterback? And then there are odds associated with that? So that's uh, that's interesting.
0: I've often thought that Paul was going to get very deep into the hole. You know,
1: I find that uh, intriguing. Just in you know, uh, you know thing. that whole thing. Uh, by the way, uh, as we uh, as advertised earlier, apparently Mizzou Danny does have a national championship to their credit, according to our uh, Jim Almohandro.
2: Thank you. Applause for me, please. Uh, St.
1: Louis native, um, the Mizzou disc golf. Team, That's right. Won a national champ. You're aware of this.
2: I am. Almost. I mean, you know, I follow Mizzou's disc golf team closely. But almost no, did send me a text no. over the weekend to yeah. make sure I celebrated accordingly.
1: That's right. The lie detector just went off. So it was the 2022 College Disc Golf Men's Division One National Champions. Your Missouri Tigers at 2022 sweep for the Tigers in college disc. Golf, which I'm not even sure. I mean, that's with the Frisbee, right? It's is that what, what disc golf is? is?
2: That's what we're known
0: for, disc it's golf. With a disc. <laughs> okay. But All are right. you number one in innovation? I don't think so.
1: <laughs> How are you feeling, by no the way? They, they just had the spring game, ASU spring game. How are you feeling over there as a Sun Devil alum? <sighs> you know the saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one? What, what happens they- if you have five quarterbacks? Do you have one? That's
0: my question to ASU fans. I think, um, I think it's going to be a long season. That's maybe that should I be
2: think. my goal this fall, go to an ASU football game.
0: Make sure it cools down before you do that.
1: By the I'm way, do we ever get an answer to which member of the front office you would take as your partner and survivor? No, did we ever I get an answer to no that? No,
2: there's no partners. That would be like Amazing Race, <laughs> which I don't watch, but that would be – That's right. Danny Darren was really. we a, she was really offended. Partners.
1: You were really offended by my gaffe about the show there. You, that I, you,
2: you don't go in with partners. You don't, okay. You go in individually, and they put you on teams, and then you have to go far enough to make the merge where you – you Cap. just got to watch, Cap. Paul. You sit in the office oh. with myself and Sam, one of our editors, and we both watch. So if you watch, you can start talking with us when we recap.
0: I'm surprised you just didn't pick it up like through osmosis if they're talking about it anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to decipher what's reality and what's reality TV. And, you know, it, 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 sometimes it is. So And you know, and then I, I hesitate to get involved because, you know, I don't want to ask the probably dumb questions. Because so, you're not in the demographic. There are no yeah, dumb questions. Right, right. Exactly. Just, just your reaction when I ask the dumb question. That's just uh, so. Well,
2: from here on out, I will not react. No dumb questions.
1: Okay. All right. So, are we getting near where you're actually going to hazard a guess as to who who the Arizona Cardinals are going to take in the first round? I mean, Darren, you've been really, you know, you've been quick to shoot down every single name I've thrown out there, but I haven't heard you actually go out on a limb with a name at all. I'm not going
0: on a limb. See, that's the thing. Is like, why would I go out on a limb? They're picking 23. Who the hell knows going to be there at 23? (laughs) I've I've said what I I mean. I don't I I, I'm not going to completely rule out a wide receiver, but that just seems not something that Steve Kime does. So I I, I just feel like I feel like that's kind of hard for me to really wrap my head around. It feels like it's going to be a lineman or an edge rusher and and maybe a cornerback, but I that's. That, and again, I could be completely wrong. And they could be walking in with a wide receiver, that first round pick, and I'll be the first person in the podcast to say, well, obviously I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. Danny. And, but I will say yeah. that if I'm also the first to say that you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about either. So I, I, I what's good for the goose is good for the gander.
2: I don't. I've never heard that.
0: Oh come
1: now, on. See now it's it's dare. Are you being serious right now?
2: I am being serious. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Did I offend you?
0: No, you didn't offend me. I just made me feel old.
2: I'm sorry. That was not my intention. Yeah, sure yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know what? I'm purposely letting Darren just just bask and just let Keys that are hang. Blowing in the wind. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he he's had the facial. It's been a long time coming. You know coming.
0: what? I need a chocolate chip
1: cookie. Yeah. Oh, now oh, that that's yeah. Me. Well, that's what I get here. And uh, you know what? I might have to go. I made it within three days. Wait, wait, wait. Four days. I, I gotta I'm at, ask this question know, before
0: yeah. we lose this. When you first were talking about this, did you give up chocolate chip cookies? Period, or just for breakfast?
1: No, period. Are you oh, having like homemade period. cookies this See, morning? But, but, but typically, for breakfast. No, no, period, but typically the time frame within which I eat it is breakfast. Two reasons. One, it goes great with coffee, and two, I can burn it off the rest of the day. There's a big difference between eating that cookie to start the day or before you go to bed. Are You're going to pay for the one before bed.
2: Are these homemade or are these store-bought?
1: Oh, I wish they were homemade, but no, they're not. Mm. No, All right, Paul, not. I got it.
0: For next year, okay, for Lent, you need to give up. Lent. <laughs> I
1: oh. wow that's heavy that's really heavy that's uh i think it would clean up a lot of your issues that's good that's good well i'm gonna cite you in my next confession <laughs> <laughs> not only forgive me father for i have sinned but so has darren urban on this edition of Wouldn't cardinals underground time. brought to you by pacific <laughs> office automation sounds like somebody needs to go to confession more than others